0: up until the day we write the check for that note that the payment stream is solid. Cause you know, we, we know there's gonna be you know problems. There's always a problem in a note. We buy troubled debt. So it's part of our core competency to fix that debt. And we're very good at it.
1: Hi, you're listening to Ready to Scale, the second season of That Really Happened. This season is focused on APS of real estate, asset, process, and strategy. Each guest on the show will reveal the assets they invest in and why they chose to do so. From multifamily to industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, and more. Then, they'll uncover the processes, tools, and systems they've used to build multi-million dollar businesses. And finally, they'll uncover new, unique, and exciting strategies to invest in real estate. From co-working to buy and hold, fix and flips, co-living, and much, much more. Now let's get the show started! Welcome to Ready to Scale. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors who partner with me on my deals. If you're thinking about investing passively in real estate and want to learn how to evaluate a deal, I created a free guide that walks you through the top five critical deal components any passive investor must examine. You can find it on my website, ellieperlman.com. So my guest today is Bob Fraser. Bob has been in real estate and finance for over 20 years now and is the founder and principal of Aspen Funds. Bob focuses his investments on residential mortgage notes and has purchased more than a thousand notes throughout his career. Prior to that, Bob launched a tech company back in the 90s and later transitioned to finance and investing and became the CFO of several organizations and even ran a hedge fund. So Bob is a magna cum laude graduate in computer science from US Berkeley and former Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year award winner. Wow, that's a very impressive background, Bob. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Well welcome. Do you mind? So obviously you have a very, very impressive background and you're a very established and well recognized entrepreneur. Can you tell me and the listeners a little bit more about your kind of your your background and how you started investing in notes?
0: Sure. Well, it goes way back. I, as as the, you read, I was a computer science major from Berkeley. So I, I was Mr. Code. I loved writing code. Right? Nothing is beautiful as a great piece of code. It's like poetry. So there I was in my little cave and uh, got this business idea, talked to mom and convinced mom to, to put some money in. And we started with, in my attic with my sister-in-law, about five years later, end up with $44 million in venture capital and, you know, largest venture capitalized business in the Midwest and incredible gro- growth rates. And then it all got, we got caught in the dot-com wreck, and right before our IPO. So, end up losing everything. But I kind of got, I got what I call a street MBA, you know, they're really good, but they're a lot more expensive, you know. <laughs> so, so I, 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 I say, know what you mean. MBA owner, you know, MBA holder, which is great. I encourage, I encourage all my kids to go get MBAs. And so that really was very foundational for me to understand market cycles and understand how to raise money and these kind of things and kind of levered that into CFO work uh, for, the, for a number of nonprofits and other things. And then got into real estate after having two encounters with the stock market you know that where I said you know what I don't want to be in the stock market anymore I don't want to make money in the stock market or have you know stocks I'd really want something a little more stable and then met my partner who's a real estate guy and he had lost everything in the 2000 you know eight crash and so that's when we decided to get into notes and get on the other side the equity right where we're we're the debt holders because debt holders are obviously you know a lot safer and can weather the storms a little better so that's kind of my you know our entree i guess into our real estate you know enterprise
1: got it so yeah let's let's talk about residential mortgage uh, notes what are they exactly
0: well when you buy a house you go and get a loan um, from a bank or some mortgage lender, and then those are packaged up and sold off. We buy them. So we become the bank. We become your lender. We buy distressed distressed notes. So a lot of times these are notes that are we're not paying for a time and now we're paying. They're called troubled debt restructures, or we buy various kinds of uh, you know, seller finance notes and other kinds of things that offer high yields and discounts
1: got it got it so it's it's really interesting
0: these these are single family residences
1: so you're basically you're investing in the note itself you're you're what you call the lean lord right you're you're that's right
0: we become the bank we become become the bank so all that fine print that the banks have where they don't lose no matter what you know tails i win heads you lose that's all ours we get all that all that the whole system is is really very lender friendly Generally. So we become, we buy these notes and we collect payments instead of rent payments. We collect mortgage payments. Very, very similar. It's very different in some ways, too. Because, for example, when's the last time you called your bank when your toilet stopped? Or when, you know, so we don't get the call. So it's a much more scalable business. And uh, very, very suitable for us. You know, these these hands don't swing hammers. so they wouldn't know what to do with a hammer, I'm afraid. You know? But, you know, great with spreadsheets and, you know, systems. So it's really a very scalable business.
1: Got it. Interesting. And you said that the environment was very kind of, is very friendly to you as a note holder. What, what yeah. do you mean by that?
0: Well, meaning that, there's a whole system set up for lenders, right? The banks that write to these notes, they write, you know, billions and billions and billions of dollars in these notes, and there's an, an entire infrastructure around servicing those notes, collecting on those notes, and really the banks don't lose, okay? That's the point. It's all locked up. The laws, the case laws, everything is locked up so that the banks win. And so when you step in and take over that paper, I inherit all of that infrastructure and all of that legal contract that you signed.
1: Got it. So if the bank has those infrastructures and, and you know, processes and protections in place, and you said the bank doesn't lose, why would they sell the note to you then?
0: yeah it's like uh, you know i've listened to a couple of your podcasts fantastic show you know you do and Thank you. and you know they don't know what to do with these things right they they don't know when when they get a loan that's that's bad especially let's call it a second mortgage and i love seconds i would rather own a second than a first which i'll tell you why but they don't know what to do they they literally camp they don't know what to do on it and ultimately they let these things get kind of old and stinky and then they sell them off and so you want, once a bank once a bank uh, once a loan goes into what's called non-accrual status which means it's they no longer can expect the payment stream to come they must write that note down to a fair market value which in in a case of a second mortgage is basically zero so they, literally they have to write it off and this is banking regulations this is their capital. Uh, regulations they have they have to maintain certain levels of capital right for their asset base and for to them an asset is a loan so they have to write it off so it literally sits on their books at zero until until it gets stinky enough or they say you know what let's uh take out the trash <laughs> you know? and so, and, yeah. uh, and even if that borrower starts repaying so they end up repaying they so they st- you know, get back on their feet, mostly people want to pay their mortgage, okay? So, they get, you know, they recover from their divorce or they get their job or whatever. They start paying again. That loan remains a troubled debt restructure forever. It is never a good loan ever again to a bank and they have to reserve extra for that. So, it's just, it's kind of this black eye and ultimately they get get rid of it. A lot of these loans are also created by hedge funds that go and buy non-performing loans. So they buy these big pools, billions of dollar pools of non-performing loans, and a certain percentage of them, they end up reperforming, meaning get the bars back on track. And then we buy those.
1: Got it. That's very interesting. Do you think so? Obviously, you know, we're recording it now. It's, uh, it's May 6th. And we're kind of, you know, we've been uh, in quarantine for several months now. How did the whole business of mortgage note buying and collecting, has it changed in any way since the pandemic started? And how what are you doing to protect your investments?
0: Yeah, it's probably very similar. I know you're in the multifamily space. It's very similar. I think, you know, there's basically forbearance happening on, on, on any notes that are owned by Fannie and Freddie. Now, those aren't ours, but it confuses people. And they say, well, you know, hey, can't I, you know, not don't have to pay my mortgage now? Right? And so there's a few people that that are that are super excited about that, and you know, misinformation and try and take advantage. But generally, you know, we're not seeing a ton. we you know, we have we maintain around a, you know around a five to ten percent kind of a default rate in our funds, which we we underwrite to a thirty percent default rate. So it's you know, doesn't matter to us. Yeah, there's no such thing as a bad note to me it's just a bad price. So something that it's, uh, everything is worth something. So we underwrite very, very stringently. And so to us, it's really not a lot different. We, we did see a step up, you know, a little bit more defaults and we're working with our borrowers. If people can really prove that they're they're really in distress, we'll work with them. And we just build enough margin into the models that, that it doesn't matter for us, you know, and ultimately we're going to collect. It's just you know, just today's cash flow may, may take a small hit, but our, our investor ROIs are just fine.
1: And do you see any change in the next 6, 12, 24 months from now?
0: You know, the really good thing is, and this happened in the, in the dot-com area as well, what happens when these crises happen, it actually gets rid of the noise. And a lot of the weaker players, the, the Me Too players, you know, sorry, not, not that Me Too, the, you know, the I'm on board, you know, I'm going to jump on this bandwagon, players disappear. And so what's happening, we're, we've seen a lot of the smaller players step aside, a lot of, a lot of the marginal players, you know, had their capital taken away. And so it actually cleans the slate for us. And we, we, you know, I saw in the, in the dot-com area, in my, in my business are the largest company in the space end up cleaning up the entire space and, and taking almost all market share for the business I was in. And so we, that's exactly what we see. This is really a time for strong players to scale. And we have a ton of interest right now in institutional capital because of our models are so robust and our track record is so good. That are very excited about putting lots more capital to work with our, with our firm. So there's a lot to be said about just your history, right? Dotting your I's and crossing your T's for 10 years, 5 and 10 years, where all of a sudden people just look at you different, like you're, you're in the game to, to, to stay, you do what you say, they like to work with you, you're credible, and when you're standing and everyone else is not, they're looking at you like, hey, what's going on? why are you standing and tell me about your models? And so you can become super attractive. And that's kind of what's happening in this time right now. So we're seeing it actually as a positive. And with fewer pleasure in the space, we have better buying opportunities at lower prices. We're seeing prices we haven't seen in, you know, five, five, six years and more capital to, to play with. So it could be a really good time for us.
1: Well, I I want to talk about the strategy for a second. I know that you're acquiring discounted mortgage notes. And I want to talk for a second about that. How do you find those notes and for how long do you hold them?
0: We hold them forever. So in that fund, we have two different strategies we use, but I'm talking about our income fund. We actually collect these, we buy these performing mortgages we collect the payments from the borrowers, like you collect rent, and we send the checks to the and the fund. Actually, very interesting, we actually have a built-in liquidity program, so any investor wants their money back. So the really cool thing about notes, so in, this, in our fund, we have about 450 loans right now. Well, 8% of them liquidate every year on their own. So this is when a, a borrower refinances, right? When you go refinance your home, you get a new lender. That lender, all that capital goes to pay off the old lender. Well, we're the old lender, so we get paid off, and that's actually a capital gain for us because we bought them at a discount. So we get paid in our fund right now. We're, we're earning, you know, internally, twelve percent, fourteen percent yields. But that's before we get. The, the capital gain. So anyhow, we get those paid off, but we we have an investor liquidity program that allows an investor anytime to request their money back and we've never failed in eight years to meet a liquidity of course. So bottom line is this fund is a perpetual evergreen fund that simply pays income as long as you want income so basically every quarter I hold whatever redemption requests I have and if whatever I have capital have left over, I go shopping with it. So we hold these forever, knowing that, you know, each typical loan is four to six years before they're gonna sell or refinance. So which we love. We love when they do that.
1: Interesting. And you know, when we're talking about your strategy about buying those notes, are you doing anything different? in the way you buy notes today, when we're basically in a global you know, pandemic, and I'm, I'm sure you're assuming a higher rate of default. Has your strategy changed in any ways?
0: Not at all, it hasn't changed at all. We, we have extremely rigorous underwriting and underwriting hasn't changed. We basically, when we buy a note, we, we figure out every possible outcome for this note. And there's about, about 12 different outcomes, depending on the note. And for each one, we model a cash flow for that outcome. Then based on our experience, we choose a probability of each outcome. And we get a, a weighted present value for anybody who's a dork like me, a probabilistic present value. Well, that becomes the cap. We don't pay more than that. So we always buy less than that. That's That becomes the price cap we'll pay for a note. And it guarantees a return as long as we have we, we have less than 30 or 40% defaults, which we've never come close to. So we're not doing anything different.
1: Got it. So you're basically pretty conservative and you're assuming and we worst case scenario.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, now we, I guess there is one change I, I think we're making, and that is we're very, very careful not to buy a problem. So we want to make sure when we buy a note that the payment stream is solid. So I want to make, I want to, I'm checking the last payments, you know, and making sure that up until the day we write the check for that note, that the payment stream is solid. Because, you know, we, we know there's going to be, you know, problems. There's always a problem in a note. You know, we, that's what we, we, we buy troubled debt. So it's part of our core competency to fix that debt. And we're very good at it. But we don't want to buy a problem. Okay, we want to out of the gate, right? We want to have it at least it's going to start good, you know. So,
1: give so me an really example. Give me an example of a problem.
0: Well, where the, there's not, they're not paying. So, I want to verify that they've got 12 months of payments in the bag, and, and including the one they paid right before I bought the note, that last one that's been paid too. So that's all. Got it's it. Just making sure that it's not a we're not going to immediately have to go after and go go into collections. For this note,
1: yeah, you know, when when you're speaking, the thought that comes to my mind is, okay, if if the note is performing, then the bank would want to sell it. The bank would want to sell it if they think that you know they'll have to mark it down to zero the the asset value, which means that they're not paying. So it seems like the bank is more motivated if there's a problem. But you're saying I'm not selling it at a problem. So what basically is is a good opportunity here that the bank doesn't want it, but you see, you know, you see it as a good investment.
0: The bulk of our purchases are coming from hedge funds that reperform the notes. And so once they reperform the note, they're done. They don't have a strategy to hold the notes. They have to sell it. And besides the fact that in fact, if you modify a loan, you have to, you have to recorded in your books at par, which means you have a phantom income. So they, for tax reasons, you have to sell this note prior to December 31st uh, or whatever your fiscal year end is. So they have to sell them, bottom line. So, And what's happening now, the buyers have disappeared. So we're one of the few buyers still in the market.
1: So you have a lot more leverage when it comes to negotiating for the price.
0: It just means prices get better. You know? Mm-hmm.
1: Got it. That makes a lot of sense. So, Bob, I want to talk about the process of tracking and analyzing the notes and and looking at performance. Can you describe the audience, the process you have in place for tracking the notes performance?
0: Sure. And I talked about our underwriting process a little bit. That's the most important thing. You know, honestly, we really make our money when we buy. And so there's no shortcuts in underwriting. We we're really good at that and spent a lot of time and energy and, and I'm a computer scientist. So we've, we've fully automated everything and, and built, built spreadsheets for everything. And I use a tool called Microsoft Power BI, Power Business Intelligence. And I encourage everyone who is, has, has ever used a spreadsheet to get this tool in addition, and it can take data from spreadsheets or databases or anything and run analytics. It's amazing tool. And so we actually run full live performance from our servicer. So we actually pull the payment stream from our mortgage servicer. We pull payment stream from our books, from our accounting package, and we literally reconcile those. And we look at performance. We look at it in regions. We look at across price bands. We look across every kind of band to go see what are we doing right when what are we do, what are we doing wrong? So and it's it's basically a live system. So there's, it's really gives us an edge for sure is doing these kind of analytics.
1: Interesting. And Bob, if someone wants to start investing in notes, but they haven't done it before, and obviously right now, you know, when we have COVID, the environment is a bit different. What would you recommend those investors to do, especially now, knowing what we know that, you know, default rates are probably going to increase over time?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, do your homework. It's honestly for performing loans. There's exchanges out out there that have training. Um, I mean, we put a lot of our product that we sell on a company called Paper Stack and it's for sale there. So do your homework and they have training and educational materials there for people. Certainly buying performing loans, you know, you want to, you want to, and non-performing loans, you want to do your homework because it is you know, there's regulations you got to pay attention to and a few things, uh, but it's a, like I said, it's a good time and there's bad paper and there's good paper and, you know, you can pick your pain, pick your pain point. You can buy Uber safe paper that, you know, your yields are going to be low, but but it's never going to be a problem or a headache. So, so it's kind of cool. You can very much kind of pick your your sweet spot. What Do you want, how hands-on do you want to be?
1: And if they don't want to be hands-on but they want to purchase a note, what would they do then?
0: Well, you know, the first choice would be go to a managed fund like Aspen Funds. The second choice would be pick a uber-safe note that you don't have to touch. So something with deep equity, something with a great pay history, you know, in a state that's a friendly state for doesn't require a lot of licensing.
1: Got it. That's a really good advice. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I guess the last question that I had for you, Bob, is if you can look into the future right now, and if you can predict it, I know it's very risky to predict anything, even 30 days from now. But if you could do that, what, what do you think is going to happen in the market, in the notes market, in the next you know, six months, let's say?
0: I think prices are going to continue to soften as people leave leave the market you know, I've actually done an economic forecast for the housing market. That's actually, I believe the housing market is going to continue strong. And in fact, today, an article in the Wall Street Journal came out that is in spite of the pandemic, housing prices are remaining solid. And there's a reason for that, that there's, there's a fundamental shortage in the market, a fundamental supply deficiency, fundamental demand is there. And, you know, and it's, debt services at an all time low. There's a whole lot of reasons, about you know, a dozen reasons why housing is strong. So I think housing is going to continue to be fairly strong in spite of the crisis. But I think the mortgage notes are going to continue to get discounted because of the pressure on investors. So it's actually a very good time.
1: Got it. All right. Well, Thank you so much for for that information. I think it's very interesting, especially for me because I've I, I buy you know multifamily properties. Right. I don't invest in notes, so that was really interesting for me to learn. Also, we actually I bought some it.
0: multifamily notes.
1: <laughs> ah, there you go. So we was don't
0: have that? a lot of them. We have a
1: few. I hope they're performing. They are. Nice. Very nice. Well, we have arrived to the lightning round questions. Are you ready? All right. All right. So, Bob, what's your favorite hobby?
0: My favorite hobby is hiking in the fourteen thousand foot peaks in Colorado.
1: Oh wow! <laughs> How Although long I can hike? keep up with my wife, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do my best. Skinny little blonde woman just rips up and down these things and leaves me huffing and puffing. You know.
1: Nice. How long does it take? to get to oh the Oh my summer. gosh.
0: She just did an 18 miler. I i think I made like three miles on that one, but you know, it's all day for sure. I've done the easiest ones mm-hmm. and uh, it's oh, an all day wow.
1: deal. Interesting and impressive. Well, what's the one thing that people don't know about you?
0: Oh, I guess I'll say this. I was a—I was a sprinter, a, a college level sprinter.
1: <laughs> so, Interesting. I don't, I don't have
0: the physique anymore for that, but. Uh,
1: and if your wife, is outperforming you I know with, it's, when it's you're sad. hiking <laughs> <It's sad. laughs> all right well what do you wish you had known when you first starting investing in notes
0: when I first started investing in notes you know I just I wish I'd known more about the licensing issues and the legal issues so that was a bit of a learning curve
1: got it hmm and what's your number one advice for real estate investors who want to scale their business and or scale their note portfolio.
0: And really any any business, it's be it's so important just to execute, do what you say and because you always will start small and your best investors is are your current investors and they'll work for others. So it's really important to get a track record to leverage you know your past into future success. So super important do what you say and execute and take care of all your investors.
1: That sounds about right. And if people want to get in touch with you, Bob, where can they find you?
0: Aspen Funds, like the tree Aspen, F-U-N-D-S, dot U-S, not dot com, dot U-S.
1: All right, perfect. Well, Bob, thank you again so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm definitely smarter than I was probably 30 minutes ago. And I thank you for that.
0: Pleasure to be here with you guys. Thank you so much.